Hello and welcome to the Chicana Code Switchers podcast. Your co-hosts are Ariana and Patricia. We are both Chicana scholar practitioners in higher education. Each episode, we discuss insights, tips, and resources for students and practitioners in higher education with a focus on social justice and platicas. With that being said, let's start this episode. Happy New Year, everyone. It's 2020, and this is a new episode for Chicana Code Switchers. My name is Ariana, and I'm here with my colleague, Patricia. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to Chicana Code Switchers. Um, I know it's been quite some time since we haven't recorded, and uh, we changed a lot of things uh, within the time that we were off. Uh, If you all have noticed, we have a new logo, um, and also we have a new intro, so... Uh, Welcome back, and we wanted to um, catch you all up on since our last recording and the last time we published an episode. uh, We're going to talk about how the end of the semester has been for us, what we've been up to, and so, um, Adriana, could you um, start with your recap? Yes, Happy New Year, everyone. It's great to be back. It's been uh, a long time coming. And yes, I'm, I'm in a, I'm so happy to say that I completed my applications. So I submitted all of my PhD applications on December 1st and December 2nd. So that's really exciting to be done with that process. Um, what was it like? It's two months of just continuously working on that um, was very draining uh, in addition to working and trying to have some, what is it, self-care uh, all at the same time. But yeah, so that process is complete. I um, applied to four PhD programs. I, I was going to apply to five, but then after further investigation, decided to not apply to UC Davis because most of the faculty that I found within the program are focused within um, Latino, Latina experiences or language acquisition or like teaching English as a second language. It was just completely in a different realm of what I wanted to study. And one of the reasons that I was looking into that program was because they have an undocumented resource center and they're near the capital. So I wanted to tap into that, um, you know, the, those connections. Um, but I realized that I that I'm going to be doing this for five plus years and wanted to make sure that I was in a good place where not only was I going to be close to home and not only would I have the support, but like having access to a lawyer so far. So I decided not to apply there, but I did apply to Stanford um UCLA, UC San Diego, and Harvard University. So we'll find out soon if I got in in anywhere. It is my third time applying, so I'm really excited about the possibilities. And yeah, so now I'm looking into uh, scholarships, looking into funding, looking into um, fellowships. I was just telling Patricia that um, it is a new year and we're about to post, you know, new resources on Patreon and Definitely making sure that you all also have access to those resources uh, from reliable organizations and 
it does take time. So this is the beginning of, of doing that for, for myself, um, as well as looking for another job. Um, I realized <laughs> quick enough that although I hadn't worked in admissions, um, I did, um, I did want to tap into that, ex- into that type of world because I didn't have that experience. I felt like I had a lot of experience in student affairs. I had a lot of experience within um, higher education and Latinos and undocumented students, first-gen experiences, but I didn't have an understanding of what admissions looked like. So in addition to working at my new job um, at Harvard, I also received um, what is it called? An offer from UC San Diego. And so I'm reading for them as well for the, for these, these past few months or these, you know, up until March, I'll be reading for them. And it is very, um, what is it like, um, prescribed. So it is very like, oh, you look for this, you look for that, you rate the students kind of work. And so it's very uh, repetitive. And I realized um, that I don't do well with that. I I don't mind it, but it's not something that I can do for many years. Um, I'm glad that I was able to have those opportunities to now be able to say I've done admissions to some extent and also um, to be able to understand what it's like to work with international students. But as part of my plan B, in case I don't get into PhD programs, it's also uh, looking for a full-time job that provides me um, more opportunities for self-development and, um, and just continue, continuous growth, um, where I'm able to be flexible, you know, where I'm, I'm able to have, um, flexibility, uh, space for creativity, uh, and creations. And that's, that I know I can do in Excel. But what about you, Patti? I know you also were just as busy as myself. Yeah, there's a lot that, you're going on with especially the whole new application process and you know help like I saw kind of the trajectory again your whole process and I was like oh my gosh I, I'm so glad that I really took the time to reflect and meditate this past year and really evaluate is this really the right time or is it because on paper people expect me or it's like on paper, it's the right thing to do, or it's like, it looks like the right thing to do. But in actuality, my energy levels were very different, especially going through the master's program and being in school for seven years straight. It's, Mm -hmm. it takes a a huge toll on you. And I mean, we were all like looking on social media and seeing like the whole decade thing. And people are like, what were you doing in 2009? I mean, I was a freshman in high school, but (laughs) <laughs> it's, it's a very different, I mean, I finished eighth grade going on to, you know, freshman year in high school. That's, I mean, I've been in school for all that time. And mm-hmm. so I've done a lot of revaluation of like, where do I want my energy? Where do I want, you know, my mid twenties to look like? Uh, what do I see myself changing in terms of like my priorities? And looking at not what necessarily other people want me to do or what it looks good, you know, but it's more like, where do I really want for myself and what's going to bring happiness, joy, fulfillment. And that may not be the most popular thing that people, I mean, sometimes like healing isn't the sexiest thing, you know, like it's, it's something that's not, you know, 
that you could publish or an accomplishment like and so being in school for so long a lot of exterior accomplishments is really is something that you're conditioned to do always like chase the next thing you know and instead of really evaluating like okay I mean this past semester has been a challenge because I didn't really prioritize my wellness like I stopped working out the way that I did this past year like I stopped making sure that I was you know mentally physically okay and not prioritizing eating on time eating the meals that I should have like everything was very rushed um and that's something that I don't I mean I was talking to one of my friends from UCSD uh, Maida uh who we've interviewed before and we were like I was texting her towards the end of the semester I was like I'm so tired you know like mm-hmm. I can't do this I have all these projects done and then she was like I have like this is my second cup of coffee or my third you know I'm trying to like minimize I mean we put so much productivity in our lives um and so it was a real challenge to not immediately go back to my old habits of pushing my body to like different limits not sleeping like really not taking care of myself which is really unfortunate and something that I talked about in the last episode which is so important for me to really take care of myself because then I have less empathy less patience, I'm more irritable, uh, I become defensive, you know, like, what the hell, you know, like, oh, all of these things that, that's not really who I want to be. Um, and I'm not at my best. And so um, it, and it all came down to as I'm trying to understand what the thesis process is in my school. And that was a been a challenge, because um a lot of people say that it's policy when in reality it's a practice. And so it really caught me off guard of like, wow, this program is not really having these policies that are really catered to helping, especially first gen students understand and do well and thrive in, in a thesis process. So, and I'll talk more about the whole process once I'm out of it, you know, because it's a long story and something that I want to have other people understand and, and really have an opportunity to for themselves as opposed to having to do this all last minute and have to think that you have to do it this way. When in reality, um, I think a lot of programs don't evaluate the kind of pressure and anxiety that they put graduate students in um, and they're not thinking of their best interest of the students. Um, And so what ended up happening is that I got an advisor until middle of October. And that's that um, the work and everything, we're supposed to do it all on our own. I mean, there's a lot of controversy with that. And so um, at the end, like now what I'm what I'm having to do is spend winter break writing three chapters. Like every day, writing, reading, putting it all together. Um, and it's a headache and it's a toll on you because, I mean, I didn't go to Mexico this winter break, which is something different. I usually go to Mexico every winter break. Um, there's some, uh, you know, like that's a challenge for us to try to say, wound, do self-care and presence when you're being put on time crunches like this and not even really have a break. Um, and so I thankfully have a very supportive chair and committee but it's been a challenge, um, which I'll talk to more about later. Um, 
I took an Asian American studies class that focused on Southeast Asian. So it was um, Hmong, Laotian, and Cambodian Americans talking about the experiences in the U.S. from being uh, from the experiences in their home countries to uh, becoming refugees and immigrants all over the country. Um, and so that really gave me a lot of perspective because in 2019, my goal was really to step out of my comfort zone and learn about the experiences of other groups. Um, because I've told my Ariana before, like the reflecting back on who I've hanged out with the most or who I've been surrounded the most is not really Latinos because I can't say they're all Latinxes that I'm hanging out because it's mostly Mexicans, um, Mexicano that I've been surrounded by. And so stepping out of my comfort now and really understand because what I really want to do is not be so closed into just these experiences because all of us experience a lot of different things even though if you go through the same thing differently um, and it has really given me so much insight on how U.S. imperialism and immigration changes depending on the contact that U.S. has had in those countries and so uh, really understanding like what is the refugees like the the mass deportations that are happening with Cambodian Americans like that's something that's not very widely talked about I mean a lot of Asian uh, American challenges and issues and oppression aren't really widely spread and so and it's very similar to a lot of what uh, Latinxes are experiencing especially Mexicans with in terms of immigration issues and challenges um, and so that's the part where especially working with students that are immigrants, um, Asian Americans are the, gonna become the largest number and growing number of immigrants coming to the US uh, and not understanding a lot of these specific issues is going to be a big blind spot for educators because we don't understand. I mean, and it's coming up with my thesis too, like a lot of education leaders don't understand how higher ed is experienced within all these different groups. So that's why we have really terrible policies. And so um, in the end, like I was telling them tips, like, because I don't want to become the ally that just sits there and gains all this information and not get and contributes to the group. Um, because I feel that's a very colonizer move, like coming in, I'm like, oh, I just want to learn. And I'm like, my purpose, and I may not do it perfectly, but it's like, that's the whole purpose of learning. It's like, when you go into the space, um, it's about also providing something. It's a reciprocal thing where you're learning from them and they're learning from you. And so when I was sitting there, a lot of them oh, have the same issues that most Latinx first-gen students have where their parents are, I mean, the cultural differences, the different generations, and them not understanding each other um, is the same thing that we experience. And so it's just differently. Uh, and I was sharing them like, here's how you navigate higher ed. Here's some tips as an advisor. Here's what, because I also want them to empower themselves and be more active and involved and also hold these places accountable for their own services too. Cause it was terrible because of the whole, um, like the model minority myth that still continues to happen and them not needing help. I'm like, you do need help. And uh, not asking for help is also helping the institution give away the money to uh, other people that most likely do not need that much help, um, but they're capitalizing on it. And that class was really informative on like a lot of what I I didn't know. And 
we were able to like kind of collaborate and work together. Uh, unfortunately, cuando hay siempre like someone who has more like privilege, they're always asking and deflecting the power to you. Like, oh no, you're the one who knows. And I was like, no, I don't know. Like, I really don't know. I'm just intellectualizing your experience, but I, uh, that's not my lived experience though. Um, I just have the access and the pr privilege to understand the, what is going on, the nuances but you experience it personally. And that's the part where it's like always as an ally or I don't like to call myself an ally, but it's like the person who has the side of the group is really understanding your power and like always like empowering them and turning it around and be like, no, like, you know, you know too, you know, and, and always constantly putting that effort to not be that ally where it's like oh let me get all the badges for being such a great ally you know and that's a challenge too because <laughs> you're just like oh my goodness you know like it's a lot of making sure that you're you've reflected enough of why you're in there and your intentions in that space mm -hmm. um and that brings me to talking about like because during the new years my family actually we all did a vision board And so it's been really exciting to just put it together of like, what do we see ourselves like really prioritizing what, do, what the future that we want, which comes with um, this whole winter break. I finished the podcast um, called With That Being Said, which is a podcast of two uh, therapists, their marriage family, LMFT therapists. And so I highly recommend anyone who's really like trying to focus on their mental health, going to a therapist, uh, because there are two ter therapists that talk about therapist issues or like how to, especially their last episode, they talked about how do you gain the most out of therapy, which I've never, I mean, I've been to therapy like at the colleges that I've gone to, but it's very different going to therapy outside. And I didn't know all these tips and insights of like what therapy could do for you or what kind of questions to do or when should you know that a therapist is not the most effective or maybe it's you like, or it's a combination of. So they bring in really great guests and talk a lot about um, relationships because they they're a marriage therapist or marriage counselor, but they also have people who are single or like a variety of different um, people coming in to talk about a lot of like growing up, you know, challenges. And so it's br brought a lot of like reflection on, wow, like that, I never thought about it or I never thought that this was a resource. And so definitely listen to With That Being Said podcast. Um, they're really amazing. I love their voices. They're so calming and soothing. Um, and let us know what y'all think about the podcast if you ever end up listening. And then um, to finish up my check-in is um, talking about my intention. <laughs> I started a new passion planner planning um, because we got it free for Malk's uh, uh, chapter that I have at Fresno. So we got some free ones and I've been doing a lot of research in the past years about planners. And so far um, for anyone who is looking at planners, uh, from my experience, and this is from like how I see all these planners, Um, if you're looking for personal wellness, um, building new habits and priorities in your agenda, the plan Panda Planner is really good. And that's the one that I've used uh, for the past year and has helped me a lot with like wellness and building habits. This year, though, I'm changing to the Passion Planner because it works well with productivity and long-term planning. So if you have a lot on your agenda, uh, the Passion Planner will 
probably be better for you. Um, if you're looking for happiness, self-reflection, or something that will complement your therapy, the happiness planner is a lot better um, because they have a lot of like self-reflection worksheets that really would be helpful for you to bring with you to therapy. If you're thinking about looking at your self-worth, uh, anxiety, time management, um, you know, inner child wounds, like a lot of those questions are within the happiness planner. Um, and the podcast, without being said, they go into depth because they bring in the founder of the happiness planner. So you can learn a lot more of like, how did that come to be? And like, what is the happiness planner? Because uh, they have the planner and then they have like journals. So that's something that you can complement. And if you want a planner that's more high tech, scans to Google tools and phone features, the organizer, uh, a nicer, like nice uh, planner is for you. Um, that's the one that Jaime actually got. And so he's the one who's like high tech and he scans the thing. Apparently the app is supposed to be launched this month. So, um, but they have like financial tools. Like they have like all, like they have a, a huge, it's a huge planner. But um, that's for people who are more into high tech and like to scan things and have them on their phone because um, that's also helpful. Um, and uh, with talking about the planner, it's actually for me to learn how to um, switch into my commitment and energy levels, which goes on with our main topic that we wanted to talk about today, which is overbooking, overcommitting, and evaluating our workload that we Part of it is we get given to, and the other part is we contribute to our workload. So Ariana, um, take it from here. What has been your experience with overbooking, overcommitting, and workload? Yes, I mean, I think it's just part in, I want to say that it's just um, most recently, actually today, I was, I've been listening to these um, videos about um by this um mexican um co-founder of yakul it's just interesting i was i've been watching a lot of videos on facebook because now i have time <laughs> um, and he's really good i i appreciate the advice that he gives his name is um it's carlos casuga and i had no i've heard of him before because he's he's uh of japanese descent um but was born in mexico and he talks, he gives a lot of good consejos, advice about how to be successful, talks about not being lazy, talks about how, like, um, I don't know, like, when you asked that, that came to mind, because he talks about, like, you know, it's something that we're conditioned to doing, to working hard. I, I mean, he's speaking from, like, the Japanese um, expectation that you have to work hard a lot like you have to work hard 24 hours you know like every day and during your between the 20s to the 30s and the 30s to the 40s and then from the 40s to the and on you're supposed to be receiving all these fruits and I feel like part of it um, for me is about overcommitment or overbooking or feeling burnt out is um, a little bit because um, I feel like we're so conditioned to be productive conditioned especially in this country to be involved and to continue being, um, you know, give, give, give until you can't anymore and then you feel depleted. 
Um, but for me, like this year, I was telling my friend that I, I want to make sure that, you know, similar to you, Patricia, that I want to protect my energy. I want to um, be intentional about how I use my energy and how I invest my time. And so being less like run around, like I think earlier I was telling you, like, I don't want to be rushed, but I can be if I have to. But that's something that I'm working on is to just be a little bit more intentional about my time and how how I plan out my day so that I'm not so that over the weekends I am rested. Um, I am, you know, doing some self-care or I am doing something productive for myself, like applying to scholarships. Um, and with that said, like, um, I'm doing a, um, a public speaking gig in March. And so with that, it's like, they're flying me out. Um, and, and also being very intentional about my communication. And so they're flying me out and I'm not getting paid for the speaking thing, but because I, it's back in California, I'm like, whatever it does, I don't mind, but I'm also being very intentional about my communication. Um, they've scheduled me to do some like check-ins and I've already signed, I already did one in December and I, they scheduled one for this month and one for next month. And honestly, we don't need to do all these check-ins. Um, so I said, you know, I was very clear, like, Hey, you know, you haven't booked my flight yet. I'm not going to be, you know, I set boundaries, right? This is all to say that I'm set, trying to set boundaries and communicating that I would like to participate once my flight is booked because once it's booked then I know it's real right mm -hmm. and I've been telling this person that for the past month I'm like hey here let me know when you're going to book it so I can give you my details if you're not going to book it I'll book and you can reimburse me right so it's being very like intentional about what I'm signing up to do and like what is expected of me and following up in that way because and also like communicating like here's how because of my other commitments or mm -hmm. my energy levels, here's how I, it would work best for me and communicating that, like what is the setup and the form that you work best? Uh, and yeah. it's, and it's also something that a lot of people are not used to, especially mm -hmm. women of color explicitly mention and be direct about it. Yeah. Of like, I'm not accommodating to every single part of your, your needs. Yeah, it's a reciprocal thing where we have to communicate. Here's my limitations and here's mm -hmm. my opportunities. But if you do, if we can't work like this, pues, I'm not going to bend over to do yeah. all these things for you because it's not your event. Exactly. And I'm just, you know, I'm just coming, you know, I'm, I'm doing it because it's an opportunity and I want to give back to the community. Um, but it's again, who is managing it? You know, it's thinking about those things. It's, you know, um, what would someone else in my shoes do kind of thing? Like I always try to think about like, what would a white man do? <laughs> and it's like, yeah, he would not be doing this for free. He would not be, you know, being tied along until they decide to do it whenever they want. It's like, no, I need this, you know, it's, I need these things met. So that's part of my, part of my goals for this year is like, yes, it's, it, it's very exhausting if we don't, you know, limit, provide limitations or provide like some self, what is it like reflection about where our energy is being sent? Because I know for sure, like for me, when I was applying to PhD programs, it was very tiresome because I was working full time. 
I was also working part of my assistantship. Uh, so planning, coordinating the events for that um, and applying to PhD programs all while studying. It was very tiring and I wanted to go out, you know, but it was like, no, like, what are my priorities? What is, you know, understanding that it was temporary, that I was going to be focusing on these things right now. And I gave myself a goal or I would reward myself or, you know, things like that. Like you, I wasn't sleeping a lot. I think I got so used to sleeping like five hours a night and and keeping going. And I'm a night owl, so that doesn't help. But yeah, being, <laughs> yeah. More, being more intentional and deliberate about all of those things and trying to schedule things with enough like cushion between each event, right? Just in case something happens, I'm not like rushing from one thing to another. So that's kind of one of my goals too handle that and and listen to more like uh, podcasts or listen to more you know YouTube videos Bennett uh, what is it what's her name Bennett Brent Brent she's one of the psychologists I think Brene Brown yes listening to her YouTube videos as well I hear she's good yeah and it's also like thinking about like who is who are the ones that to like give you the most, um, the experience where you want to do it again. Um, Mm -hmm. I think for me, it's seeing the whole productivity and all that stuff. Like it really comes from like growing up with my parents, like doing a lot of different things all at once. I mean, that work ethic does come from them. Mm -hmm. Um, From my experiences, like moving from school to school, like it was a lot of having to catch up. And so that has been a condition all my life where it's all about the survival mode um, of like putting it all together. I mean, once I went to high school, it was a lot about like, how do I make myself the most competitive? I know I have a lot of things that um, I don't have access to. I don't have a lot of, it's not the same resources or the tools or all these things. So I have to work like three times, four times as hard just to make sure that people understand that I am worthy of going to college or I, I will be prepared or it's the playing the catch up game really. Um, and for us, even more so being the first in our families and the, the first generation going into college is a lot of the catch up uh, and knowing that one little mistake can trickle down and you have very limited safety net of if you don't make this work, what is our, our alternatives are very limited. Um, mm-hmm. And so once we got to grad school, I mean, both of us were like doing the most the first time we applied because we knew that we didn't have a, the same amount of experiences going into applying to PhD programs. Like there was a lot of things that we lacked in and that mentality is always, you know, in our subconscious, like always knowing that we lack in a lot of things instead of looking at what the work that we have done and giving ourselves the praise and, you know, the congratulations of, wow, like this is a lot that you did. And unfortunately we always feel that we have to do it in terrible conditions, así como like whatever is happening in our lives. Like I had within my undergrad, I mean, I was in undergrad for five years. I mean, I had some family deaths, uh, my sister's car accident, which she got like a, um, a like really big injury like all of these things were happening simultaneously mm-hmm. while trying to do things and a lot of people don't give us the 
the grace and the understanding and the flexibility to be like, you know what, you don't have to like try to make it work. We will work for you to accommodate and give you the resources enough for you to thrive. Mm-hmm. Which, as you mentioned in Harvard, gives you an extensive opportunities to like, you know what, si no pudiste, take care of yourself. Come back when you're able to, you know, like uh, the grace to even have that, which is unfortunate. Yeah, I mean, it was definitely, I was expecting, if I said, if Sonoma State had me going like that, like you're on your own and pick up yourself and do the most, I expected Harvard to be at that level, if not more. And it was interesting to feel like actually they embraced, to some extent, they did embrace um, who I was and. And there was that space and that there was that support. But I, I don't know if it has to do with the fact that it's a private school and you're paying 75K for that education and they want you to excel or what it was if it's part of the CSU system that it's like that. Well, it's like for Harvard, it's the sense of they understand that wealthy people have a lot on their plate, whatever that means, you mm-hmm. know, for them. And that if you have a lot on your plate, they have to be flexible with you if they want a really good retention, a really good graduation rate. Yeah. Because I mean, mm-hmm. yeah, go ahead. there's a reason why they have a high graduation rate, you know? Um, but yeah, I mean, it was just very interesting to like have that experience to, to, and now I'm like so used to it. And that <laughs> I, you, it took you a while to adjust because you didn't ask for extensions. Mm-mm. You didn't ask for accommodations or even opportunities for you to voice of, I don't want to do the assignment this way. Can I change it and do it this way? Because it works better with the work that I want. Like it's a negotiation thing. Mm -hmm. Like you're able to negotiate different assignments and say, I don't want to do it this way. Yeah. I mean, we are the clients and sometimes we forget that. (laughs) And sometimes it's like also the humanity of like, because you can also like, it's a double-edged sword within the client model. Right. Because then if you think about it in a capitalistic term, they can always, you know, adapt to things that may not be, you know, in a way to treat you like a human. Mm-hmm. In that empathy and understanding that life happens with you, uh, there's a lot going on that you have to do in order to make it work. So let's adapt and modify so we can have you become a very successful person in your field. Because ultimately, if I had the opportunity, I would have changed a lot of these assignments and be like, can I build my own? curriculum that helps and it's a it's a two-way thing where the instructor and you are both building a curriculum that will give you the skill sets enough for you to be successful in whatever you wanted to specialize in mm-hmm. um, and that sometimes doesn't happen because I mean how many of us know what is out there that we should learn yeah and that's the that's the catch-up game and so as I'm doing my master's program and finishing up it's like a lot of the reflections of because my thesis is on graduation rates. And so it's a lot about like, why don't we, because we don't see the importance and the urgency of adapting to underrepresented students. I mean, that value isn't there. That's one, we don't see them as humans uh, and the need for them to give them because they are not worthy of. And so that's why we overcommit and over like to have to like show like, in many different ways, here's how I'm super committed to this and I'm able and I'm willing to, you know, sacrifice my health, my relationships with other people, my relationship to myself, 
mm-hmm. in order to show that I like really need to do this. I mean, my own thesis advisor is like, he does not take a break. And I'm just like, how are you working every single day in something mm-hmm. always and not have time to sit down and reflect and show like, I don't think this is sustainable long term. And that the expectation that we have to like do the most in order for us, for other people to take it seriously is why I overcommitted myself a lot in undergrad. Mm -hmm. Like I was doing all these different things that not a lot of people have to do because they pay others to do it. All they're doing is the brain work. And so the workload that I have like has a lot to do with just that sense of even my own dad, like the power dynamics are there where you feel that you owe the institution something for that, for their willingness to take you. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's actually flipped around because we have a lot more that they should learn from us and they don't see that same value. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, even as, as we're talking about it, about how you took things in high school and then in undergrad and how productive you were, when I'm reviewing applications, we are quantifying all of those things like that's exactly what we're doing we're reviewing where did they go to high school how involved were they community service how were they working were they working to help the family were they first gen were they low income because they asked for a fee waiver did their parents go to college um and then we're looking at also all of their grades from freshman to senior year and seeing how if if they improved their grades, if they took advantage of they call it like um, support the AP classes or uh, advanced program advanced uh, classes. So we're like looking at all of that to rate the student as to how how much did this person excel. And my trouble is when I'm doing that is because I then there's especially for UC San Diego they give you like four questions where you're able to talk about any challenges, any personal things. And I read about, you know, the more um, well-off students talk about their challenges um, doing well in a sport versus a challenge for an immigrant student from Vietnam is actually learning the language and excelling and providing for their family and all these things. And for me, it's like one of the difficulty parts in rating these students was like, hello, how do I rate? A student that was well off, who had parents who went to college, who was immersed in summer programs at UC San Diego versus and, and got straight A's versus a student who got straight A's, came from Vietnam, learned the language. Da, 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 da. Like, I would want to rate the, the student who immigrated to this country and did just as well, more or higher than the student that was already here and who has been conditioned to do this this whole time. So to your point, that's what well, that's one of the reasons that we've been conditioned to do so much. It's because that's, we're quantified. All of the things that we do are quantified. And on top of that, like, what a privilege the other person had in being able to focus on their own personal development in, within the sport. Like, they have mm-hmm. all the ability to become humans with full range of emotions into talking about how a damn sport was so like detrimental within their own personal life as opposed to us like if I were to write that personal statement again as a freshman I didn't know that I had so much power within my story 
mm-hmm. because I never knew how to write the story because like doing all these things like like my family never gave me that skill set where here's how you write a story it was more like here's how you do things here's how you get things done mm-hmm. and reflection and writing and conceptualizing and intellectualizing your life experience is not something that we do because there is no mm-hmm. space to do it um and so like if I were to write my personal statement, I've been like, damn, all these policies that were damn against me and my family. And to be able to even get this far is huge. Like if anything, we should get like 10 extra points for mm-hmm. the amount of initiative and work that we have to do. And on top of that, not being able to have a lot of examples growing up of people who are researchers. I mean, I have to, that's why I feel like there's over that, like that workload that we have to do because we have a lot of skill sets that we need to learn how to do and not have a lot of guidance to help us do that. Mm-hmm. Um, and until I did this thesis, like that's when I really got a lot more mentorship in how to write a research project. And I was like, oh, I was working way too hard. But that's because of my, the way that I think about life is very complex because I see a lot of things that are happening. And he's like, no, you have to condense that a lot. You're doing a dissertation. You know, and I was just like, oh, but that's what it is. And a lot of people don't give us an information on how to do it. And then that also looking at the literature, of it's very one dimensional mm-hmm. and it doesn't capture a lot of the work that we see on a daily basis mm-hmm. um, because there's a lot going on. Um, and also thinking about like, the resources of, I mean, that's why I, I appreciate a lot of social media and podcasts because that's where I've learned the most. And that's where I was like, oh, that's how rich people think, you know, like, or even like this winter break, I've been watching MasterChef and seeing how all these like wealthy kids at like ages eight to 13 are cooking like all these dishes and like have all this knowledge of different cuisines that are high-end or whatever and I was like how the hell do they even have that I mean they have to have access and privilege to be guided through like a bunch of really technical cooking skills like that's the same thing as us like how do you expect us Mm -hmm. to know how to do all these things if that is not what is around us yeah Uh, yeah I mean that's that shows a lot of like the what was available to them what was what did they have access to time comfort you know they didn't have to work or anything they were able to focus on this talent and grow and to even sign up for master chef it's it's right right? (laughs) or to (laughs) to be chosen and being like oh yes and and you see a lot of the students that are or the kids that are uh, kids of color a lot of them even within their ethnic culinary stuff like it's still not good enough because it's not what the palette that they're looking for, which is very Eurocentric. And so that really showed a lot of a big metaphor of how you're saying the admissions process. Mm-hmm. We have to do 20 things more to not only catch up to learning English, learning the American system and all these other different institutions. And on top of that, be our own parents, you know, cause mm-hmm. we have to sign everything and <laughs> learn what it's like to go to college mm-hmm. like a lot a lot of brain work happens and that's why a lot of us don't make it because you need to have a lot of different factors work well for you to even get that far right 
in a lot of the work that I do in, in with at the undergrad level is a lot of seeing students not being able to do and focus all these things because they're constantly, their energy and attention is shifted towards something else. Mm-hmm. Because if they don't get that done, they don't get to live. Yeah. Yeah. It's crazy. Which is something that now uh, talking about resources is this question, this list that we posted on Instagram from Twitter um, from uh, Eloisa Amesqua. Mm-hmm. I think that's how you pronounce your last name. Um, they talk about my partner and I came up with this list of questions to help decide whether yes or no to a thing. And it's been very helpful. So they published this on October 23rd, 2019. I say the dates because as a researcher, I've been trying to look for dates and twi- tweets. You can actually do an advanced search to find tweets. And mm-hmm. I've been citing them in my papers because I use now Twitter. <laughs> Every presentation I've had it. So that's why I'm mentioning this. And they say, my partner and I came up with a list of questions to help decide whether to say yes or no. And then in the inside, they have a notes that says question number one, does this make financial sense? So whenever you're deciding things, the first question that they ask is, does this make financial sense? The second one, is this a good use of my time? Mm. Three, do I trust the people putting this on? Because how many of us do things without realizing who we're doing it for? Mm-hmm. Um, and knowing who the person planning and putting the money, is this someone that we can rely on? Who are we contributing to? Like, that's another thing. Uh, number four, does this disrupt my time at home or time with yourself, time with whoever blank? Five, how much labor is being asked of me? Six, geographically, does this make, does this work for me? And seven, am I serving a community I want to serve with this? So that's something that four out of seven, you have to answer yes in order to commit to it. Uh, mm-hmm. Which is something that's really interesting because now that we're planning on our podcast season three, I keep looking and we're like, oh, we can do two episodes per month. And then I was like, that's so little. And then I'm like, wait, girl, hold on. You have a lot other things else that we do to make those episodes happen, which is something that if it feels like it's less than we have the potential to, that's a good thing. Mm-hmm. Because then how much, how many times have we reached our limit and we're like, I've noticed a lot in this past semester that because I don't have a lot of time to myself and I don't sleep on time. Because instead of sleeping, I'm doing things that I, in my mind, want to do that are fun. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Because our brain is tired of the productivity game and they just Mm -hmm. want to relax. Mm Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's hard. I mean, I think even like uh, just thinking about December, I was still so used. I was programmed, right, to sleep at a certain time, to wake up at a certain time. And I couldn't turn that off until I went on the holiday break. And I'm like, wow, I was so tired. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it's 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 a matter of balancing. It's easier said than done. But definitely we're trying to be we're trying to apply what we preach to ourselves and to our podcasts and to our lives so that we can have like more quality um 
episodes, more quality, you know, productive lives, more, you know, like whatever that means to us, like we're trying to be intentional this coming year um, with the episodes that we put on, with the people that we invite, with the topics that we cover. We want it to be um, information that is um, accessible. It's information that is relatable um, and that can pe- people can continue taking away from from our podcast um, and re- and recommending them to resources, right? Recommending them, for example, the podcast that you shared, the journal that you just talked about, things like that. We want to continue doing that because part of like, at least for me, part of making this podcast is sharing knowledge and sharing best tips. And it's, it's continuing to do that, but, you know, plugging in other POC or uh, other resources that we found useful or that we've learned along the way. Yeah, because so much of all of this game, which is interesting because a lot of people, and I've hanged out with a lot of, or I've been surrounded by a lot of white people, they never mention playing the game because mm-hmm. they are the game. I hear a lot more POCs, especially Latinxes in my circle talk about, well, you have to play the game. And I'm like, well, we're playing ourselves, first of all, because the game could be adapted and changed to no longer be a game because how many of us are playing with the lives of other people Mm -hmm. and a lot of the decision-making now that I'm on the other side is a lot about deciding the future of a lot of different people um, and changing it. And so the time frame that we have is to also allow ourselves to not be one dimensional people because as I mentioned to you, Ariana, I don't want to just be a student anymore. I want to explore and become and have different things that make me a full human to experience a full range of things and not always be the person who's always going to college or the the student Mm, because that's the label, right? It's, uh, I mean, in the episode, in, in one of the episodes that I listened to with that being said podcast, they talked a lot about how hard it was because they were conditioned to always be a student that once, I mean, they went to grad school just because they didn't think of anything else to do and they didn't want to leave being a student that it was a point that once they graduated I mean how many of us graduate and get that depression afterwards because of how much of the workload that we have and then once you have nothing to do I mean in every break sometimes we're like what the fuck like we don't have a due date we don't we don't have to be somewhere there's no deadlines like all this time crunch that we put ourselves that in the end we're left with like hollow shellness because we've emphasized a lot of our relation to things based on productivity. Mm -hmm. That when we no longer have that thing or that identity or that relationship as a student or whatever it is, then we start falling apart because we don't have other things in our lives and the importance of, you know, going out of our circle and a lot of our comfort to build different, experiences and memories mm-hmm. yeah yeah so um i guess this brings us to our next topic in mind right patricia mm-hmm. um about what goes into creating that this podcast um we want to recap like what it's been like for us to uh, put this on for almost a year now our anniversary um is next month so this is kind of prepping for that um, and I, one of the questions 
one of the first questions uh, we would like to cover is how does this podcast get made? Um, Patricia, do you want to start? Yeah, so when we're putting together this podcast, the hardest thing, I think, is just learning the tech, the technical skills to put it together. Like, um, what are the platforms that you want to host your podcast in? How does it get distributed to different platforms? Um, how is it, you know, managed? Like, it takes a long time. And I think a lot of people forget or don't know that putting a podcast requires like that you schedule it on that you have the commitment um, that you have a really good focus because a lot of people want to make a podcast and that's mm -hmm. amazing the hard part is that people don't know how much time and effort it takes to even put it together because you want to make sure that I mean like I'm not doing it so hundreds and thousands of people can listen to it um, just to boost my ego you know like it's just more of like here's his resources I'm not sure who listens to it because we're recording. <laughs> You're like, I don't know who who's who they're hearing it with or how they're hearing it, who's hearing it um, and gaining from it. But there has to be like from the get go, a central message, a purpose. You have to make sure that you know what are you covering? Who are you covering with? Um, and do you have the consistency and the bandwidth to take on a project like this? Because it is like another job. Mm -hmm. It's another task. I mean, me, it's like um, making sure that your social media presence is there. Um, it's there enough for for your followers and your listeners to see that you are active or that you're sharing some information. Um, it is a business, you know, like in 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 a in a business in a sense of the work that you do with it, because there is a lot of negotiating, a lot of put things. Like for us, it was even like redoing our logo like you have to have your name of your podcast the mission of what the podcast is about making sure that the episodes tie into a lot of the things that you're talking about or your your what you're trying to specialize in or what the main focus is about um looking at what other podcasts are out there it's kind of like your own little research project of what is out there where are the gaps where are you trying to fill in and how can your guest and your your main discussions with your co-host match well together because even your co-host has to be on the same commitment or energy level um, so you can make it work. Yeah, for it to be sustainable and for it to continue um, evolving, there needs to be an agreement in that vision for sure. And also the same like time frame. Like we have to also, <laughs> it's a collaboration in terms of do you have time? I mean, sometimes we are dealing with so much things that you're just like, I tell Ariana or you tell me like, hey, can you take over more of this conversation? I don't think I have, you know, I'm not here, but I'm, but I'm trying to make an effort by being here. Yeah. I just can't contribute as much. Or sometimes the guests, like, you know them, but I don't. <laughs> and then the first time I'm meeting them is while we're yes. recording. <laughs> Yeah, I, I mean, for me, it's been a really great learning experience. I think I said this before over summertime about um, all that came about from this, or maybe in our last episode. Um, I mean, there's like platforms I wouldn't know about, you know, like, I think I learned Canva more through this, creating like our little um, uh, episode announcements or you know, I learned more about that. I learned more, like now I'm learning how to use Patreon. <laughs> <laughs> I can't take over. 
uh, sometimes as well. And it's it's a it's a balance, right? I know that when I was, I think the reason we took the um, the break was because in September I was like, you know what, like I'm gonna go full on with this PhD application process, and I won't have as much time. And we both agreed, you know, Patricia was also finishing her semester and needed to focus and was working and doing everything that she does. And so it's definitely like a, a work in progress and and it's a partnership. And that's why I appreciate, you know, having a co-host, because if I was going to do this on my own, it's a lot more that like that, you know, uh, weighs on one person. And so I know that I have friends that have shared that they want to start one and I'm like, yeah, you know, like, you know, good luck, you know, because it is, it is a time commitment for sure. It's like our, our passion for me, it's a passion um, project. project. Mm-hmm. And on top of that, like how many skill sets I've learned through this project. And that's something that I always wanted you. It's more tech than you think. Yeah. Um, I've like, we've both learned, I learned how to edit and then I taught you how to edit. Yeah. Um, and then sometimes our audio doesn't work and we have to record it in a different way. So like, that's the thing that we sometimes have to adapt to the time, um, making sure that we have, we all are in the same platform. We're recording from sometimes three, four different locations at once, finding the platform to hold that space and be able to make it work, teaching mm-hmm. our other guests how podcast is made. Cause sometimes we have uh, for the variety, actually the most guests that we had have never recorded a podcast so that's the part where we have to teach them like oh here's because you have to also like make sure that the other person feels comfortable while they're recording because you do want to make sure that you're a good host you know like and and share them like hey you have a like I really love what your advice and your tips are but I also need to teach you the technical things to make sure that it works well it records well and -hmm. sometimes I've been in my house and my parents' house, and they don't have internet, and so, like, all these, like, things, I've recorded in my car before, I've recorded <laughs> in my apartment, at the library, um, yeah, today, you know, like, it's, it's a variety of making sure that even our three different time zones that we have sometimes mm-hmm. work well, and that the questions we ask for our guests are also intriguing and get to the information in the storyline that captures not only their personality, but also information that most likely our listeners um, would appreciate, you know, because I also interview things thinking in mind, like, what would I like to learn about this person, even though sometimes I already know them, but other people may not know them, you know, and so we can also highlight them really well to um, make them want to come back to and Mm -hmm. do things like this. Yeah, and it's also showcasing their work, showcasing their history, because we all have unique stories. And, you know, Hyman mentioned that he appreciated hearing, you know, that one episode about the caucasity. Uh, I don't remember. With Pablo? With Pablo? (laughs) And, you know, we never, I mean, we reached a wide variety of audiences. We don't know who's listening. We don't know what's going to connect with who. And it's been really cool that these past, what, like, couple of months, um, yeah, um, to see what episodes have been getting the more hit, the most hits, uh, to be able to, and we also said, like, it's go ahead and review the past ones while we, um, are on hiatus. Um, and I've listened to them as well. Like, I listened to the first episode and I was like, what? <laughs> what was that? 
but it just shows our own evolution as well as a co-host as podcast um you know providing more how our podcast in itself has evolved as well um, based on our experiences based on what we've learned based on what we you know um what we the feedback we get all of those things so every time we hope to make it better and stronger and um like Patricia said we just hope it reaches people that it'll help um because these are some of the topics and things that we don't we also didn't know and also um learn about as well with you all um and sometimes like our our guests like they're one person off we're hella chismeando off like the um the recording and then once we get on it's like it's a completely different person (laughs) well it's because you have to get used to like the recording platform right like it's so it's such a different feeling like being able to feel comfortable where it feels organic and you're talking and you're just like you can talk for hours and sometimes like if you've noticed some episodes like our guests are much more robotic yeah and (laughs) aren't as like we're trying to capture their personality even us you know like when we first started uh like when we would start the episode we're like "Uh, uh, uh, like (laughs) could you could you start are you starting or you know making sure that we (laughs) find a platform where we also can you know like sense when the other person is going to talk or not because we definitely have some guests that are more talkative than others and Mm -hmm. so but hopefully in each episode you find something that you can take away from it's either a reflection or segments um use more poc businesses like this is like a whole i mean there's each segment has its own even though we're not very like we're a lot more like platica well that's our whole purpose right is to have platicas where it's not so here's the segment and here's this other segment. You know, it's very scripted. We didn't want that. We wanted something that was free flowing where you felt the essence of las pláticas that we do have with one another offline and just record it for people to just come in and like join us in the chisme um, because that's something that within our own mujeres, like our reunion, our chingona reunion, which is our fifth time we've come together People have gone and come, you know, and join us. But um, those platicas we have in there, (laughs) they're like fire. Because it gives us so much energy and so many consejos that come up. And, I mean, we definitely code switch. Like, that's the thing that we often do when putting together this podcast is making sure that we talk about something different, but also revisit past lessons to make sure that people understand here's how this lesson works in this environment, as opposed to the other one that we talked about. Just as a reminder, you know, if anything, it's made me as a, as a almost working professional full time is like (laughs) making sure that all these different disciplines and lessons from whatever degree we end up doing is full of passion, understanding, intention, but also so much reflection needs to happen within our work um, because we can't continue to do things the way that they have been done for so long. Just because they've been done like that for many years, you know? And that's why we wanted to bring an episode where we have this (laughs) organic, it's the um, platform. 
Yeah. No, for me, it's been really, for me, I feel like I see and stay in touch with Patricia because we have this podcast. Um, Like, it's something that I look forward to uh, catching up, hearing from each other. And I feel like even our friendship has, like, developed or maintained because of this this podcast. Uh, When I saw you in in, December, no, my what mother? It was last week. It was last week. (laughs) It was like so long ago. Like it's been, uh, it was um, like I was in California for a lot longer than I was. Um, It was just really nice. Like I felt like we know what what we're up to, and it was like more like catching up with everyone else. And I really liked the activity that we did. But it's that Isabel just asking us like. What are we doing? What are our goals for the coming year? And, and I thought, how old are we? How old are we? <laughs> she's like definitely, I think, was not had not stayed in touch with a lot of the things that we've been up to. Not just me and Patricia, but also um, the other girls. And so it was really nice. That opened like a whole can of worms <laughs> in itself, in a good way. Um, so I, I'm just really excited about about using some of that and possibly bringing Isabel on for an episode. Oh, she's amazing. And on top of that, it's like, really, that's why I wanted to reevaluate my time commitment, because I'm like, how much of my time is it spent reconnecting with people? Yeah. Uh, Outside of this world that we're sucked into, um, because if I don't connect with you, like, where and when am I going to make the time to do it? And they always mention, like, a lot of the conversations about long-term relationships is romantic and whatnot. But a lot of it is also the importance of keeping friends or making friendships also long-term and long-distance with other folks. Because a lot of us end up in different places. And I think the importance is to still reconnect with those people because um, it's part of you and your support system that you need. Because as if I focus on just my relationship to work or within my relationship to my family, it's a reflection how I think about myself Mm -hmm. because if I've been sucked into a lot of my family like I've learned to create different boundaries within my family because they also don't they may not verbally or through their actions share that they appreciate my whole me or understand what it's like or what I do at work because that's just not the environment that they're in to really appreciate the the me my whole me. So if I spend so much time with my family, I'm going to just get a sliver of what they perceive of me, mm-hmm. as opposed to all of who I really am. And on top of that, the way that we perceive ourselves is so different from how others perceive of us. Yeah. And so if you hang out with people that really see the the difference layers that you provide and the experiences, it gives you a whole different like view of yourself. Because mm-hmm. how we've been, you know, sharing different resources and, and information and about ourselves, like, I learned so much about what I see myself in you and how you see my yourself in me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which, which is something that I think, if anything in this episode, please take some time through this every single, you know, beginning of each month or set a day of every month where you just sit down and do some reflection mm-hmm. and evaluate where your time commitment is. Like I started with my planners color coding each commitment. And if I don't see enough green, which is my me time, that's when I'm like, okay, one is taking over than the other. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, for, to your point, I, when I was home, like, that's why it feels like it wasn't long enough or just because I, even with my parents, I spent a little bit of time, like I spent Christmas Day and Chris, uh, Christmas Eve with them. And then the next day, meeting up with friends, going out and dancing, and then spending time some time with them. Um, that we even went wine tasting together. And I'm like, okay, that's killing two birds with one stone. I'm hanging out with Patricia and they like wine. So, and I know my <laughs> even like, she's like, oh, you're leaving so soon. I'm like, I know. I wish I had like, being home just felt like, I wish I had planned this better and stayed longer. Um, just because it, it's never enough time to see everyone that you want to see or spend time with family or just chill or go hiking or do anything like that. So, um, but I think that's a good thing that, that my mom still wanted me to stay because she's like, um, that shows that like, you know, she'll be excited when I come back next time. Yeah. And also to, to have, if anybody who has like a, a friend or a family member that is away and whenever they visit is like really making sure that to keep the plans or to make mm-hmm. the effort to make it because it does take a lot of energy and resources to even go back yeah and then on top of that like si no aprovechas because of your time schedule and I understand because when I felt the lowest of like right after I graduated from undergrad like no quería ir a ningún lado because I put way too much energy on the things that depleted my energy to the point that whenever friend circles were to go and meet up I was like oh I'm not going to make it Mm -hmm. because I just don't feel like it and so like when whenever we come, like we're trying to like meet with so many different people because our energy level that mean we want to also spend some time resting. And so when we have friends that cancel or don't show up or don't put that time, like it also like we are in our time as like, oh snap, like we have all of this planned in our stay because our stay is so short. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, for me, it's like I take advantage of I have a week. Okay, who am I going to see? And when are we going to see it, see each other? And it's like I set plans and I make the time because I want to see you all like I want to see people. And so especially because we're so far and we spend, you know, we at least for me, I don't go back as often as I'd like. Um, So, yeah, for sure. Take care of those people when they come and visit you and want to see you. (laughs) (laughs) And also um to move on to the to our announcements um where are we presenting ariana on february yes so as part of the fall we applied to the alumni of color conference at harvard university at my grad school and we got accepted to present um so chicana code stitchers will be at harvard bringing in some knowledge and some (laughs) dropping some knowledge um on at the end of febrero february 28th and 29th yeah and so we are hopefully with our new logo we're gonna start slowly um, building up some merch um so mm-hmm. we're gonna hopefully order some stickers for so people like can put them on uh give them to people as a recommendation to listen to us or to you know catch up with our lives and um that's something that's really exciting because I told my, I actually told my parents, I'm like, Hey, I'm presenting at Harvard. And then my mom's like, Mira, tu hija ya se va a ir a Harvard. <laughs> <laughs> and we're all joking and saying that now because of association with Ariana, 
we are all Harvard graduates. <laughs> <laughs> yes, you're associated. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm happy to to ha- to have Patricia visit me. I've been telling her to come and visit me, her and other friends to come and visit me, and she's like the only one who actually bought her ticket and came or is coming. Um, so I'm really excited to host you and to show you around. It'll be, you know, we'll be in the middle of winter, um, full of snow, but I'm really excited to, to have her here and, um, show her a little bit of where I'm at. Right. And, like, and also like a celebrate our March birthday month because we're right. both Pisces. So it's going to be a really good end of February entering into our birthday month together and record an episode there while we're both in the same place yes and just bring in some really good uh, Pisces season is always very emotional as we (laughs) all are but it's very intuitive too so it's like a really good energy for us to just come into a year together presenting at a place that um we're going to be excited about so uh, you want to catch us on and also for us to um, also do a live recording on Instagram to so look out for that in the future. So we can just meet up with people, um, have some questions answered live on time and um, an opportunity to connect in a different way. Because for the most part, we connect in a, just, just the us. Audio. The audio. <laughs> right. <laughs> Okay. Yeah, so follow us at Chicana Code Switchers on Instagram, and we'll be doing live stories or live recording or uploading stories about our um, areas of work just to give you some insight as to our day-to-day um, lives. Yeah, and so until we end this episode, um, I wanted to do a POC business shout-out. So um, we do have one available for all POC businesses. I did a compilation because we did a gift exchange and for our reunion. And so we wanted to make sure that we supported POC businesses, women of color businesses. Um, And so one of them that I wanted to highlight is Bean Paints. All of these lists you can find on our Patreon uh, page, which is linked in our uh, at the bottom of the episode. Um, It's Bean Paints. It's a plastic free paints, uh, light fast pigments, wildflower, honey, handmade watercolor paints, which is 100% indigenous female entrepreneurship owned. Um, if you are thinking about inputting some creativity in your 2020, um, consider buying these watercolor paints from um, an indigenous woman owned um, business. Um, they're really cool. They put paint inside like wood like a slide of it and then they put the paint in there so that looks really cool I will consider once I'm done with this masters doing some more art in my life (laughs) yeah no those that's a good list so definitely check it out Um, it's on our patreon and Patricia has read them and tried them out herself well some of the other products that you yeah some of the other things I have tried and in others is my own personal list of the places that I want to buy from so uh when there was like the Black Friday and then the next day is like small business uh supporting or whatnot I was like looking on Instagram and there was a lot of like different people from our social circles like promoting and so some of them I was like I wouldn't use them because there are things that just don't align with the things that I like so it's very much a 
uh, a list of myself, other things that I would do. So um, just let us know, check it out. It's free for everyone to check out for our Patreon page. Um, and then as we wrap up this episode. For all of our listeners, you can email us at chicanacodeswitchers at gmail.com and send us your POC business, conference, and event shout-outs and listener letters. You could also record a listener message on Anchor app, and we could include in our future episodes. Follow us on Instagram at Chicana Code Switchers with an X and Twitter at X Code Switchers. If you want to support this podcast, you can Venmo us at Chicana Code Switchers and or become a patron contributor. Thank you again for tuning into this week's episode. And until next time. Thank you, everyone.